Welcome everyone. We're about to begin Be'ezes Hashem, BPJ share number nine. That's the joint share for both men and women. Share number nine. We're going to be talk about, it's going to be the fourth share on the book, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriage. Last year we talked about habit number one, play together. Again, I want to emphasize not to forget about it, but to use these exercises and continuously find ways to try to do this together. Habit number two is called listening for emotion. And it, it, they, he mentions here something very interesting, that uh, this author led marriage retreats and asked couples, what do you think the three top problems in, problems in marriages are? And the number one answer almost always was communication. And that is true, that communication is the key to a good marriage. It's very, very true. But what he started to realize that, to explain behind it, uh, there's a deeper aspect for communication to work. Now he writes here as a principle number one, communication is useless and sometimes dangerous if your relational circuits aren't on. Um, To explain what he means, he mentioned as follows, um, that... If people try to communicate when you're shut down, when you're emotionally shut down, it's like your circuits are off in the brain when you are in a self-protective mode and you decided to retreat into yourself and you decided to stop talking. And then the words will just bounce off. It won't reach the other person. So it needs to be a two-way street to communicate And in order to do that, both husband and wife or two people that are communicating have to be willing to shift their focus in their brain to be receptive to receive communication. And if you don't do that because that switches off, then the words bounce back and you you basically harden yourself to it. And there are many reasons why people shut down and stop talking Sometimes it's to protect yourself from being hurt. Sometimes it's to protect others. Sometimes they're afraid that if they are vulnerable and they say something, it could be used against them. So they use shutting down as a protective mode. Or they had a childhood traumas or a difficult childhood growing up where, where they weren't um, being listened to in a serious way. So that when they hit marriage age and they're in the marriage relationship already, they still have those old habits of being overly protective of themselves and not allowing themselves to open up. So the author here shares um, basically an idea that um, the husband's talking now and he's saying that um, early in their marriage, when the husband used to get triggered and he shut down, See, he didn't yell at his wife. He just simply stopped talking to her. And she didn't know what to do. And at that point, they knew, okay, communication. So she would do her best to try to communicate, to talk to to me. But the problem was, the husband was saying, is that when I was triggered, so the more she was talking, the more he was triggered and the more he shut down. And um, later... In the marriage, they started learning how brain science, how it held behind communication. And his wife, the husband was saying, tried something different one day. They were arguing. And then after the argument, he did his normal thing of shutting down. 
uh, and he just simply stopped talking. His wife came over, and he was sitting on the couch, and uh, normally she would try to just get him to talk. This time around, she looked at him, realized that he was shut down, and talking is not going to help. So instead of pushing the conversation, she said, would you mind if I sit next to you? The husband said that threw me off guard. My defenses were up. I was ready to hear words and words and words that I wasn't ready to hear. And here she's asking to sit next to me when I wasn't on my best behavior. And she sat next to me. And then she asked me, "Could I? is it okay if I hold your hand? And the husband said, I looked at her like she came from another planet. You know, we, we were fighting and uh, I'm shutting down and not communicating. And now you want to hold my hand. And um, he let her hold his hand. And he said something inside him changed. It's like something opened up from that communication and that softness and that change of approach. That his circuits sort of came back online, so to speak. He felt that relationship. And he felt that once he felt that certain connection, he felt that now winning an argument meant, meant really nothing. So really what, what happens is, is she was very wise in figuring this out and doing this. And the idea behind it is, he was saying, thinking about it, is that what his wife was doing is actually keeping the relationship between a husband and wife bigger than the problem. No matter what problems, even if the problems are big problems, you make the relationship even bigger than that big problem. And that is that the, the idea. Sometimes what we do is when we have a problem, we zoom in, okay, we got to fix the problem, and you right away go to the let's get it going move mode. Let's fix the problem. Let's deal with the problem. Sometimes the problem's not meant to be solved right away. Sometimes the relationship is bigger. And we need to jumpstart that relationship. And that is really what is suggested. Sometimes you need to relax, right? In order to receive what is being said. And the holding hands, for example, the the softness, the calmness, that helps open open things up. So sometimes when we don't communicate, it's not because we're not trying. It's because we are shut down in a certain way and we need to open that up with warmth, with an empathy. Um, and then we could start talking in a, in a more calm way. And principle number two about listening for emotion is, he writes, that you need to listen to the emotion before trying to solve the problem. This explains basically like this, the way the brain works. There's a right side of the brain that... Um, gets the data before it goes to the problem-solving left side of the brain. The left side of the brain is the logical and analytical side of the brain that solves the problems in a very, um, you know, um, um, matter-of-fact, logical way. But the thing is like this, on the right side of the brain, where the emotions are, you need to listen to that emotion before sending that information to the left side of the brain. It's called validation, basically, is what we're saying. Validation is an extremely important tool. This is the key 
to what we just said before. When you want to keep the relationship, the marriage relationship, bigger than your marriage problems, the way to do it is to validate. When you validate someone's emotions by identifying their emotions, by connecting to how they're feeling, and you offer an explanation that shows you understand why you're feeling this way and why your husband is feeling this way and why your wife is feeling this way, that creates a tremendous opening. Now, valid people don't understand this because they think validation validating means I have to agree with the other person. No. You could have a real argument and a real difference of opinion. Validation does not mean that you agree with what the other person is feeling. In other words, you're not saying, let's say your wife, husband, makes no difference whichever way it is, is very upset about it or something, and they feel upset, they feel hurt. You don't have to agree that they should be feeling that way. You know, that, you know, that, you, that they have, you know, you don't agree that that should be the reaction, that, that they feel that hurt or angry. You don't have to agree that, but you need to acknowledge it. You need to acknowledge, yes, I accept the fact that you're hurt, and I want to under, I, I want to understand it. So, for example, the example of what he means by this is that let's say uh, you have a young child coming into your room because he's he's afraid of a storm outside, a thunderstorm. So you notice that he runs in because he heard thunder. So you don't have to say you're right to be afraid of the storm in order to validate his emotions. You don't have to say that. Instead, you could say, you know, I see the loud thunder and strong wind can be kind of scary, no? And all he needs, and then that'll get the son to nod his head in agreement. And once he did that, basically, you understood his emotion. You understood his emotion. And then you can move to the problem solving on the left. Do you want to stay in the room with us until the storm, storm comes down, calms down? Maybe I could come into your room with you as the storm is happening and explain to you why you shouldn't have to be concerned about it. So you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you use that first, that right side of the brain, the emotion aspect of it, to create that validation about accepting why someone's feeling a certain way. And then afterwards, you get to that logical point of it. And that's what happens a lot. Usually, I'm just going to say the stereotypical way, is that when very often a wife is overwhelmed with issues that are going on, let's say either Er Shabbos and it's, there's a deadline now, or she's very upset about certain things, about a certain problem, and she's crying to her husband, I'm overwhelmed, I need help with this, and this is the problem, what do I do, what do I do? And the husband, no husband's fault, it's just the way they're wired sometimes, it's just I'm talking about how to shift it. What they do is they right away connect with that left side of the brain, which is the problem side of the brain. They love their wife, but they connect to the left side of the brain and analyze the problem. The wife said the problem is this and this and this, and he answers back based on what she's saying, okay, you're worried about this, don't worry, uh, this is what we're going to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and, and you'll do this, you'll do that, and that's how we're going to solve the problem. Meanwhile, the wife at that point in time, it wasn't interested in hearing that solution. She just wanted his support, his warmth, to show that he cared. So what the husband simply did, that he didn't learn yet, to first talk to, uh, with his right side of his brain, the emotional side, and to zoom in and sense and understand that, her, that his wife is overwhelmed and it's the feeling that is the issue, and you need to do that validating 
to acknowledge that their wife is feeling distressed. And before you come to a solution, you say, oh, you, you empathize and you say, like, oh, I see how this could be very overwhelming. And I understand it is. And, and, and you, you put in that empathy first. And then after that, you say, you know something, Let, let's try to um, figure this out. And from the emotional side, then you slowly get to that logical side. And then you tell your wife, okay, you know something, I'll do this, you'll do that. And it's going to, and, and even, even then you use emotion. Don't worry, it's, it, it will, you know, it, everything's going to fit, everything's going to work. But then you, but you could also use that solving problem aspect also. So that is the idea. And the brain science behind validation is very straightforward because your problem-solving part of your brain is listening for problems. And your relationship part of the brain is listening for emotions. When you shut that circuit off, off, then you, you have a hard time listening for emotions. All you want to do is listen to the problem so you could fix it. And that is uh, something that Again, stereotypically, men have this issue more than women, but many, many women have this issue as well, and they need to simply learn how to access that emotional side of that brain beforehand in order to create that validation and that empathy. Then he warns that there's something called counterfeit validation that doesn't work at all. Basically, you don't bother to validate the other person's emotional accuracy. You just say the words, I understand. And when you say, I understand, just those two words, you're not really taking the time to actually figure out your husband or wife's emotions correctly. And uh, what the other person hears by the I understand line is keep quiet. I'm, I'm just tired of listening. And you're saying the word I understand just to get them off your back. So that's why, and even using words like sweeter words, uh, uh, dear, or sweetie, honey, or whatever you, you, you use these, these, is also condescending. And instead, you have to actually zoom in and focus and trying to learn what her emotion is or his emotion is and to try your best to validate it. So after this, they go through, he goes through to help learn the skill. And it's a skill that's workable. Every one of you could learn this skill to listen for emotion, and to be empathetic about it. And these six emotions, um, if you understand them and learn them, you'll be able to zoom in and figure it out and validate it as possible. And that will open up the lines of communication. Because as we said, since the brain runs its best on simcha, and marriages run its best on simcha. The way to get that simcha, that joy to, to flow and not be stopped and not be robbed is to understand what emotions are when there is a negative one, to validate it, and to communicate to pull out of it. So the six core negative emotions they use as uh, the acronym SAD, SAD, the word SAD twice, S-A-D, S-A-D, and goes through these six emotions to know to zoom in when your husband or wife is feeling this to understand it and how to sense it and so on. So sadness is something that basically when you lose to lose you in, in a simcha. So this um, sorry. So this um, joy is stopped. A sadness is when you lost something that brought you simcha before. It's a low energy emotion. It's like your body lost its drive. 
Sometimes there's tears in your eyes, a sagging posture, um, pouty lips, uh, a, a change in your routine, a sense of loss could create sadness. Sometimes if your spouse, husband, or wife is unavailable when you want to connect with them, it would create a certain feeling of sadness. Sometimes you schedule a date night together and it has to be canceled, even if it's through no fault of anyone. That could create a certain sadness. Um, so noticing these physical cues could help understand when your husband or wife is feeling sad. And when you validate that emotion, it helps that your spouse will share it with you, share that burden with you. And instead of just leaving them alone in their sadness and that talking about it and helping and giving encouraging words, once you connect that way, uh, brings a person back up to eventually experience an inner simcha. Another negative emotion that's good to learn how to detect is anxiety. And um, some people worry so much about the future, for example, that they don't um, know how to experience joy in the present. And sadness, we said, is a low-energy emotion. Anxiety is very high-energy. Anxiety is extremely high-energy, a very fierce emotion. It either triggers us to fight or to run away or to freeze and brings adrenaline all through the body. Anyone who had panic attacks understands what that is. And fear and anxiety go hand in hand. When you fear, you have a fear, it's an emotional response to when you feel threatened. While anxiety is in your imagination, you're imagining in your head scenarios that overwhelm you. And everyone feels anxious from time to time. But when you see your husband and wife and you're able to zoom in on their anxiousness, and validate them that they're anxious, they're nervous about something, and you connect with them and you understand that emotion, that they're not alone, and we're together with this, and you're validating it. I understand that you're anxious. That could help them feel connected and feel secure. So it's, it's an unbelievable thing how, even if someone has any of you experiences a lot of anxiety, you have no idea how much you can help each other with it. But again, it's again this idea of learning how to use that right side of the brain, the non-logical emotional side of the brain, to sense that anxiety that your husband or wife is feeling, and to relate to them emotionally by validating that feeling before you come to the logical explanations of why you don't have to worry about this thing. So what usually happens, and again, I'll just talk the stereotypical, maybe it's not even fair to do this all the time because it could go the other way around a lot of times, but let's say the wife is very anxious about something, nervous about extreme anxiety about what's going to happen with this and that and the other thing. The husband, and she says it and expresses this to her husband. So again, what the husband needs to do normally, what he may have done is he listened to her words. It's not that he didn't listen. He listened to her words. And um, he, in turn, said, okay, you're anxious about this? Don't worry. I have the solution. And he's well-meaning. And he's accurate, too. Don't worry. You're worried about this? This is how we're going to fix this. 
You're worried about how the kids are going to get to school tomorrow. I already called this person and he's going to do this and this. You're worried about how we're going to manage with this. I, I'm going to take care of this. And he gives a whole list of exactly he will take care of the problems that she's anxious about. But it doesn't help because, again, he switched right away to the logical. She had an issue. She had anxiety in his brain. He says, okay, she's anxious. This is why. Boom, 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 boom. Here's the solution. And he's doing it out of love. But what he doesn't understand and what he needs to try to work on is to trigger that emotional right side of his, of his, of his, of his um, brain. And to before he even starts with solutions, he already has the solutions in his head. He already has, he heard the whole list of the eight things that she's not worried about. He already has the, he has already solutions of how to fix it and to calm her about that. But what he needs to do first is to validate. I see you're anxious. What are you nervous about? I understand that it's fearful. It's stressful when all this is happening at one time. You 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 empathize and you listen, and that alone calms her down. Even before she heard any solution, that itself that she doesn't feel alone. You don't think I'm crazy that I'm anxious. You understand why I'm anxious. You feel for me. When I'm anxious, I'm not alone anymore. You're, you're, in a certain sense, hugging me. You're not even hugging. But that empathy is like, you're hugging me. And you're telling me it's going to be okay. That's what the husband first needs to do before coming to the logical answers. I love you and I care about you. I'm giving you a hug. Even if you can't give a hug, you give that mental hug. Hug. Hang in there. I know it's scary. I know, I know it's not, you know, it's normal to be this anxious. And it makes sense. And I feel for you. And but we'll get through it. You know, you you talk in that emotional way, and then you talk about those solutions, and then your wife hears those practical solutions. Then she'll certainly feel a lot better. Oh, this is great, uh, and thank you so much. She'll have a karsatayv double fold. Number one, the actual solutions, but she'll have such a karsatayv. You empathize with me. You cared for me. You were with me through the whole experience, and that is something that is something that you need want, you need to learn and develop. We'll Be'ezus Hashem talk more about habit number two. We didn't finish yet. And we'll be Mamshech Be'ezus Hashem in upcoming sh- uh, shir. Hatzlocha and bracha.